Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Siakam the slam! Welcome, welcome, welcome to Strictly Hoops with CJ Miles. Rate, review, and subscribe on your Everybody. podcast platforms and on YouTube. What do they do? You're drinking tea. Like yeah, and subscribe. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> like subscribe. Press every button, link, like it, send the link to somebody else, email yeah. it to somebody else, comment on Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is that you do, whatever's your platform, use it, spread it. Enjoy there we it. go. Beautiful. We go. Mm. That's it. Hell of a promo right there. So, Got CJ, it. Um, it seems the Raptors are slowly but surely winding down their options for who their next coach is going to be. Now, one is to believe that Sergio Scariolo and Jordi Fernandez are two of the final three finalists. Who that third one is? I don't know. Maybe we yeah. find out later on today. I'm not sure who it is. It could be a lot of different people. Huh? I didn't think about that. I hadn't heard it. I don't know who the, we don't know who the third one is. No, we don't. And I don't even know if uh, Jordi is actually, to be honest with you. I just think. I think it is because of a report by Mark Stein that's indicated to keep your eyes on Jordi Fernandez with that Toronto Raptors job. And funny enough, guess who was coached by Jordi Fernandez? <laughs> CJ Miles in Cleveland. The perks of playing a thousand years in the league, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah. comes up knows something about. Now Jordi's sure. great. I, I loved him um, in Cleveland. Obviously, he's a little younger, but it's great to see where he's grown and so he went from there. I think he went to Denver after that before he went to Sacramento. Yeah. Um, but a lot of knowledge, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different types of players, like different types of games, has a real good understanding of the way the game is played now. It's not a coincidence. He's There's been success everywhere he's been. Coming off yep. of success just now in Sacramento, um, and and being under Mike Brown and being under these great coaches – I mean, he's been – he's had a great career so far. Certainly. And he's good you on like the floor, too, because he started being on the floor with guys. That was how mm-hmm. I met – that was how I met him. He was on the floor with guys, like working with guys. That's what I was going to ask you, actually, is yeah. how did you meet him and what was your relationship with him in Cleveland? Yeah, so, like, in Cleveland, when I got there, we were just talking about this before, and we had a ton of coaches. We had a ton of basketball knowledge around, which was needed, though, because the team was so yeah. young. So you needed to have guys that could – you know, because you know how it goes, like, over the years, you know, that becomes your guy. Like, you know, just all the relationship-wise and, you know, y'all just relate a certain way and you can speak and he can tell you the truth and y'all can, sure. you know, it's just how it goes. So, like, every coach has got two or three guys that just have a better relationship than the others. Um, like, my guy was Aubrey because I knew Aubrey before I got there. But then after meeting Sergio and being there during the summer and being there with certain guys aren't there, you start to develop these other relationships. And that's how yeah. I got cool with them, just from – being a gym rat. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I ended up kind of getting cool with all the coaches because I had to work with all of them because I was always there. So, um, <laughs> but that was the the great thing about it though. All those guys had a different mm-hmm. sight on things, ways they could help you. And that was what was great about it. So what was Jordy's then? Um, They were big on like just the pace and, and, the, and the angles and the things they were teaching me because I was coming out of Utah, like we were talking before. 
Mm. Seven years of running that system that UCLA won for a high, transferring over to the big above with the big up top, the dribble handoffs and all that. Just a lot of nicks and 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 Nax little things he showed me just about creating in that space and just about the shape that it was going to take to be in to play this. Yeah. Um, and they and they just and they just challenged me. He challenged me the way I shot the ball, the numbers, like you should be able to make eight out of ten instead of it being whatever from this. And we're gonna stack the drills where there's gonna be multiple actions to push you in all these different ways. They showed me how to translate that into the game. Cause I think, mm. you know, when we first came in, the workouts were just pretty much the workouts. You shoot your spots, it might be one thing, do some ball handling. It's not really it wasn't always game actions in the workouts to transfer over. It was just about being in the gym. So how did Jordy convey that to you? Did you, was he a good communicator at that time? Do you think he's honed that skill over time? Or, I mean, even like still, did you, like when he spoke to you, did you trust what he was saying? Yeah. And I think it was just the availability also. Like there was never a time when I came to him that it seemed like he didn't want to, like, or he wanted to, like, no, we need to do this instead. Like, you know, this is what you want to explore. Let's explore that. Hmm. And then it was sprinkling what needs to be sprinkling on top of it, but don't just, like, negate it. Because I think that happens sometimes when guys come. It's like, what about this? And the coach has an idea of what they want you to do. So they just shift you straight over there. And it was like, no, I was just trying to learn. Like, this happened to me. I wanted to know how I could do it better. But they're like, no, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. Let's just do that. And I right. think the best thing about him and the rest of that staff was they were open to exploring the game and you hmm. see that with guys the with the with the younger coaches coming up into these to the pool now because the game is played so open they've allowed that that growth to happen and i think that was one of the great things about it he was he was great um obviously a younger guy too so like relatability was good um but great energy Love to be in a gym. Like, that's all you yeah. can ask for as a player. Like, you know. I was going to ask you about that, actually, because Mike Brown has mentioned this before with Jordy, is that he's kind of a gym rat, that he's always around. And if you know more about his background, you know, how we arrived in the NBA, like, it's uh, he's grinded a lot from step by step by step everywhere he's gone. It's He's slowly but surely making his way up. And it seems like he's ready for this. Did you, like, actually, this is a better question. Can a player tell when an assistant has head coaching like chops that they could do that or is it less obvious in their role i think so in all honesty in that time period for him i i, I couldn't say yes or no just because what a head coach is now is so different the game yeah. is so different and the, and the way we look at it is so different you know what i mean um yeah and the collective is so much more used like you see so many more guys that used to be head coaches being assistant coaches now because it's it's treated as a collective. It's not this dominant, I'm the guy mentality anymore. Mm -hmm. Do I think he had enough knowledge and he could grow into it? Yes. I, I definitely saw it. You could feel that and see that. But I didn't – but I also probably wasn't looking at it that way because he was so – when we crossed paths, we were closer to each other's age than, than yeah. you would see a head coach. So I'm looking at Mike Brown at that time who has been coaching – the gap between them at that time, because he's been coaching so much longer. And Byron Scott, mm. the year before, Jerry Sloan, all my coaches have been in the game so long, it was hard to see a young guy as a head coach yet because I hadn't seen it. Mm. 
Anything else stick out about Jordy from that time period? I should mention too that I think most people would probably think that, hey, why aren't you asking CJ about Sergio? And your interactions with Sergio were, were kind of few um, yeah. in that time with uh, with Toronto. Yeah. So that's why we're not going to get into that. Just yeah. so people. Know. I mean, I'll, we can. I mean, just what I do have on him, like, he was great. Like I, yeah, we didn't get. I'd have time to create a real bond with him. A little quiet in the beginning, and like obviously there were coaches there from the year before, and Phil Handy came in who I already knew. So like it was easy for me to fall into relationships with guys who were already there and a guy I already knew. So I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with Sergio yeah. because that had to be built. Sure. And as everybody knows, that's the year that the championship was won that first year. We came into that thing running. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the energy, that's one thing that was great about that year is like when that season started, when we came back um in August, September, I mean whatever what whatever it is what is it, September, August, whatever we get ready, like it was full blown jumping in the gym already. Like right, guys right. are at it, guys in shape, working, playing. Like it wasn't no easing into that. We were already in training mm-hmm. camp, like yeah. before training camp started. So sure, we got moving. And for Sergio, um, he has openly talked about, you know, I'll, I'll stop short of saying discomfort, but he was kind of getting his groove still with being in North America and being a coach. Yeah. The Raptors, they were trying something with him. And obviously you look at his credentials, like he was clearly qualified to be an assistant mm-hmm. coach in the NBA, but it's a new experience for him. So I don't think he he was pr- probably trying to tiptoe a little bit, gradually get to know people. And then obviously you just didn't have like that much time with him. But I mean... Which and all that's completely understandable, right? Like, yep, yep, yep. it's so different. Like everything, even from the point of like, if he's coming from coaching at home, which we know he speaks two languages, even from the standpoint of just speaking English more. Not that he can't, but like just the like the shock of that. You sure. know what I mean? Like, yes, he speaks both languages very well, but you're coming from being at home with a comfortability of everybody has got this certain like everybody feels when they go home. You feel at home, and then mm-hmm. you get thrown into North America, a different situation, guys that already know each other. It's not like there's a whole new staff. Like you're, you're the new guy, really. Like it's a new staff kind of <laughs> like, yeah. but you're the one that's the newest part of this whole thing. And you're just trying to figure out where your, where your, where your feet go. Like, do I speak up now or does Nick want me to do this? Or do, am I just the offensive mm-hmm. guy? Do I speak up when we're doing this? Do I, it's, it's so much that goes into that. Yeah. What was his job when you were in Toronto? Like, I, I think Nick does like distinguish. Okay, you're the offensive coach, you're the defensive mm-hmm. coach, that kind of thing. Did he have a a role necessarily? Um, so I remember him speaking more on the offensive side. I think Nick let him. You know, they. I think him and Nick's relationship is way different than what obviously the players saw because I know both of them sat around and like tinkered, right? But I think the biggest thing, remember, we waves happening. That, yeah, the biggest thing for that year was getting the offense to a European style of movement and passing and flowing. And Nick wanted somebody else that thought in that realm. Yeah, and I think that was one of the biggest reasons why they sought him out because he was that. And he, you can look at his track record; he has been great. Sure. With, yeah, and that's yeah. the type of stuff that he did. And Nick wanted somebody else to help him cultivate that factoring in what we saw and you know where we are now nick nurse is now head coach of the philadelphia 76ers Mm -hmm. and i would imagine especially with some of the personalities and people that are coming up for this raptors job it's chris quinn in miami it's jordy fernandez it's david adelman it's sergio there seems to be an emphasis on finding some offensive creativity in their Mm -hmm. next head coach fair 
Yeah. I mean, I think it has to be. I think you need that now. Yeah. Um, just the way that, because like, it's like, so we're going to go through this shift, right? All the time. It's like, we we went to the shift that we're in now and it's been, and we've been opening up the creativity, opening it up and opening it. And now we know the league is also a copycat league. So everybody starts to see mm. what's working and things start to happen. So you try to bring in some fresh blood to add on top of that. And we're just also seeing something that it takes a long time to happen. The coaching pool is just changing because of the changes of the game. Like we talked to, yeah. I think we talked about this before, like the, um, the, the, some of the coaches that you used to see get fired would get hired like three days later. The coaching mm. pool is growing now because there's younger coaches coming up that's been working with all these young guys who are the guys. And they are the ones who taught the game the way the game is being played now. Exactly. So exactly. that's why the coaching yeah. pool has changed. And that's no slight to the older coaches. It's just time for those new voices to see what they can do in the front chair. Mm-hmm. That's all that's happening. Like that's there's no slight. Those guys were great, and it's a time. Everybody, it's like a player has a time. Coaches have their time too. Yeah, the game is so different, and those guys that are open to that last longer. Obviously, the coach like Pop is open to, and Pop's always kind of been ahead. They always played this way, the way we play now. They are they kind of played that way after it wasn't just throw it to Tim Duncan every time. As he got older, they opened that thing up, and it was more so figuring sure. out how to play with him in that. They had a European style already. But, like, mm-hmm. now you got all these young coaches who've been in the gym with all these young guys and expanding his game and teaching the skill sets and teaching them. It's time to see what they can do. And I think now you find the, the some of the elder coaches – I shouldn't say elder, that makes them sound – but some of those <laughs> coaches where they could be of great help now is what we were talking about, some of them being first assistants. And if they, can, transition. they can let oh, their ego, but I don't think so because it's such a collective now. Yeah. It's just understanding like what you can do now. Like you just kind of like steady the ship because that young guy is like, Oh, we're going to try this, this, that is like, well now, <laughs> like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, let's remember some of these things do not go away. Some things are part of the game and it's just embedded in the, 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 the floor plan, like it's just every floor plan of every successful organization has certain things in it. And you're going to need some of those wise voices to make sure those things stay also. It's like a superstar going as they get older, they, all of a sudden they become like the sixth man, you know, it's kind of yeah. like that. <laughs> or like or like or even like we look at um Kalo's position right now. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of, too. Yeah. Like you think of like that. Yeah. And now he's like, all right, I'm coming off the bench on a good team doing this i but i bring all these things i bring this pace this mentality these things that some of these guys that's playing over might not necessarily have but when they i lead by example and i show them that these mm-hmm. things still affect the game then i can rub it off it rubs off on people he's a player coach but he's still a player exactly <laughs> yeah that's cool i mean i'm excited to see what um who they land on here people are asking you know it should be this guy should be that guy i'm like who the hell knows man like these guys are the people who are in the interviews and the reason why the raptors have like obviously taken their time with this is exactly what you're talking about the coaching net is different now and Mm -hmm. they wanted to learn and understand what the hell is out here and whoever they decided is i mean there's rumors of steve nash too i don't know but whoever it is i I saw that too I'm confident that it's going to be the right person based off of what they know that they need. Exactly. And that's the only thing you can go off. It's like drafting a player. You can only go off what you think and what the information you can grab. You don't know if it's going to turn into whatever. 
but you just try to make the best decision you can make based off the information that you can grasp. And track record, obviously. You look at track record. You look at, you go talk to other guys they've worked with. Because mm-hmm. even if you do that, you can go talk to people they've worked with and they can have two different, this person on the right can be like, I fucking hate him. And the person <laughs> on the left was like, he was the greatest coach that's ever touched this place. Sounds like, like Nick Nurse, but yeah. <laughs> no, but that's, you can use it as an example. Like, yeah, you can't yeah. see that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so like, you got to go with what you think is going, what fits the vision of what we're trying to mm-hmm. do next. And that's the thing that we don't have, right? We don't know what Masai and Bobby talk about when they sit down after the, we know some of the things they tell the media and some of the things they say yeah. they want, the culture and things, but those are broad things. What exactly do you want the culture to be? We don't know that. Yeah. We can guess because mm-hmm. of what's been successful. and We all have our thoughts on what we've seen, but we don't run the show. I'm still not entirely sold that it was Messiah and Bobby who wanted Nick to go. I think Nick wanted to go more than anything. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it. I think it got there. I don't think yeah, that was yeah. the first option. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they were going to sit down with him. And was like, look, I think it's time. I think they were going to sit down to see what they could do to improve. And I yeah. think some comments got made from both sides, and somebody didn't like one, and somebody, and then it just escalated. I think it escalated like they threw stuff at each other. I don't want to make it seem like it's a fight, but I think it just kind of got. I was like, okay, well, maybe then, yeah, because it didn't seem like it was this horrible breakup. It just seems no. like they didn't know that was. It's Masai very much sounded like he didn't know that that was where that was going. Like in the beginning when he was talking about it, he's like he said these things, and it was like, well, oh. like you know what I mean? Like he didn't. Masai's very much so like. Yeah, like we would have known if he wanted him out. Like it would have yeah. been very much more cut. Yeah. When Masai said, uh, Nick had those comments, I believe it was actually in Philly. I just realized that it was in Philly. We had those comments about, uh, you know, maybe it's time to reflect on yeah, yeah. my time in Toronto 10 years. That was in Philly, wasn't it? I don't know. That's crazy. But I know. I think it was. That's the comments that started to like maybe. This yeah, might be- exactly. And so I think that actually shows more of where Nick was because. That was addressed by Masai at the end of season. And he exactly. said that, you know, um, I think I've said this on the pod before that uh, George Carl, when um, him and I were were together, is that George said there's going to be three times where I just need you to forgive me because I'm sorry I said something wrong or whatever. And Nick's like, he cited that saying that, you know, Nick apologized, came out wrong, didn't mean to say, he shouldn't have said it, yada, yada, yada. And we moved on from it. So mm-hmm. if that wasn't, you know, what broke the relationship, then it seems to me that they were still open to bringing Nick back. And uh, even there have been some people, credible people within the Raptors uh, reporting business that have said that it wasn't that simple. And that's probably why it took so long for the, for that yeah. to happen. When normally when coaches are let go, it's like right after the season ends or in those few days afterwards, it took like a 10 days. So that really shows to me that they were evaluating and they were together. They were saying, do we want to continue doing this? Is this best for me, Nick Nurse? And is this best for you, Masai Ujiri? And then they oh, decided sure. that things were, they decided to break up. That's definitely what it sounds like. Because I don't even think it was, I don't even think Masai and Bobby were thinking that until Nick said, like you said, what he said. Yeah. I don't think, I think that's what made the whole thing kind of come into fruition. Like the even sure. conversation of, well, do you want to be here? <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? Because we assume, I think they assume that, because, I think we talked about this, like when. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Winning a championship buys you more time than a couple of seasons after of not mm. winning a championship. Not saying unless you're just awful. And that wasn't the case. So I didn't think it was them giving up on Nick because... And I don't think it was Nick giving. I think it just got to they got in the middle. I was like, okay, maybe it is. Or maybe you don't see this the way we see it. Yeah. And that's fine. And I think that's the way it should go a lot of times. Maybe without so much in the media in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that, it, is, it is what it is. So getting a new coach has to be an odd experience for a player. Um, you go from getting your marching orders from one person, and then that changes over the course of a few months. And I asked you off air, I'm like, how many times have you experienced where, you know, a season ends and you have one coach and then a season begins and you have a new coach. And you're like, um, a bunch of times, most notably in Toronto. <laughs> Love time. So, so what, what is your first interaction with a new coach? Um, most of call you, just, do they call yeah. you say, hello, how you doing? Yeah. I mean, that happened with me latter because being a veteran guy and being a guy that played a, a good role on a team like that happened like like when when nick nick called me and then i came to vegas to summer league and we had to sit down we were all there around that time like um yeah. that was before all the trade and everything happened that happened but like also me and nick knew each other so we didn't have to have this like super long conversation it was just like you know me continuing to do what i was doing with the young guys and being who i was on that team which was kind of like a glue stand you know what i mean like um Mm-hmm. And other times, like even when it happened in Memphis, even though I didn't play, like um, Memphis's coach, the when they got the new coach after Bigger Staff left, I got traded before I got to play for him. But we had we we went and sat down and had lunch. Like um, same thing happened with Mike Brown. Mike Brown was interesting because Mike Brown flew Mike Brown flew to Dallas and we met in the airport because he was flying oh. to see guys like all through the thing. So he was like, instead of me having to change the whole schedule, he was like, I could just push a flight and just come with we'll eat lunch in the airport, sit that way. Nobody has to like strenuous, put it, make a strenuous effort to get in all these different places. So I drove up, we ate lunch in the airport, sat there and talked it out, whatever, whatever. And then boom, we got on the flight and it was over. Like, is that what he was um, doing? He's going airport to airport. He was talking to see guys. Yeah. He was going to see guys. And I don't know where he was going next or if he was coming back home <laughs> to go ready to do it again. But he was coming through Dallas, and I was at home seeing my family. Right, right, right. So, like, that's how we met. Um, airport meals. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, we had lunch in the sexy. airport. Um, but the biggest <laughs> okay. thing that yeah, yeah, changes yeah. with that is what one coach values, the other coach might not value as much. So, like, like let's say they both value my shooting, but they might not think that 
having a veteran in this part of the lineup means as much as the other one does. Or they might see you more as a the shoot. They want the shooting from a different spacing on the floor because of the type of plays they run. So now you got to play a more power forward or more this or more that. Like that's what changes the most is just what that coach values compared to the other. Okay, so in this day and age, and we, we just talked with Jordy Fernandez, to me it seems like Jordy would say, where are you most comfortable? Where do you want to be on the court as opposed to this is where you're going to be? Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's you meet somewhere in the, in the middle of that because I think if you just let everybody tell you exactly what they want, it will go. Yeah. But I think – but I think the way you you do that the right way is like if I'm the coach, I come with film and things you've been successful doing and all these things. And I show these things to you and I'm like and I ask you that question with this. I'm like, do you this is this what you like the most? Because the numbers say you like this. Is this what you like? So when I go right. to figure out how to utilize you, I make sure that this is a, there's heavy doses of this in it so we both can be successful. Like I right. know. Like it's just a coincidence you made corner threes. You're not like being in a corner. Like, like you know what I mean? Like if I don't, if I don't know that, but I also have to show you that you shot this from the corner and this is sure. a weapon. Because that's what happened with me with Mike Brown with three-point shooting. Like at that time, I was still a little bit all over the place. I hadn't like solely focused on it. And he came to me. He was like looking at these numbers and what you could do for our team. This should be, there should be more of this. Hmm. You should be you shoot it too well for this not to be worked on like as the thing in your game, especially with the people that you're playing with. It will. And I wanted to play. Yeah, and I wanted to help my team. So how could I do it? You're playing with Kyrie Irving. You space the floor. You play with Paul George. You space the floor. You play with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. You face the floor. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I played with Darren Williams before that. We didn't shoot a lot of threes, but I could have did a lot more if I was if that was if that's the way we thought about it then. The game wasn't there yet. We were still in the one four high set and we didn't work on threes as much. That's the yeah. thing. That's the difference. Um, so I think that was a thing that that really helped me as a player, too. When a coach sat me down and was like, look, you're really good at this. We could make this something and this could help our team. And I think guys look at it differently when you do it that way. Hmm. So it's helpful when a coach would come to you with their thesis and then the yeah. proof. Yeah, right? and the proof. And then, and then, also and not just telling you, and not just telling you, saying, "I want you to do this." It's like, yeah. I think you should do this, and this is why. Mm-hmm. And right. then the things, and there's, and there's other things you do well. But if, if you're looking like me, I'm looking at it as the whole picture, as the team. So, could I have been like, no, I'd rather want, I want to turn into an ISO guy. Did I have the skill set and athletic ability at that time to turn into that? Yes. Would it have helped my team? No. So now it's up to me to make the decision because now he gets to see where my mind's at too. Do I want to help my team or do I want to help me? Do right. I want to win or do I care? And there's a line because it's we get paid off stats, right? Like, get it. Like, I made a another half of my career off of that change. Sure. Like, I the next seven, eight years of my career, I get everything because of that change. Not saying I couldn't have done something else, but I know – the change I know that I just fact that's what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't get to Toronto without that change. So when a coach is introduced or you have your first practice with this new coach, is there like a there's a mission statement and he's like, All right, guys, hello everyone. My name is so and so. I'm your new coach, although he probably has already met 
most people. And then he just tells you like how we want the season to go. Is there something like that? Or is it just like, let's get into these new drills, which I'm assuming also happens. You get new drills. There's definitely a, there's definitely a meeting on the points of emphasis, right? Yeah. Like there's definitely something because you want to establish that you want to establish. Cause like, again, you want to know, you give players an answer to why we're doing the things we're doing now or why I'm going to change this or why, because I feel you guys are suited to play more this way. And I have the evidence of numbers and film and all these things. So, and a lot of times the guys might want to hear, you know, what they don't want just marching orders to sit blindly into the war, you know, like, it's like, well, why are we doing this? What's, what's the idea so I can wrap my head around it so I can buy in so I can get to, instead of you just drilling me. Um, and like back to not the back to Mike Brown again. I know. Did you hear about what he did in Sacramento? The contract? No. Yeah, the guy signed a contract basically. Um, like, and you don't have to, but you can if you want, because that he's like, when you sign this, now everything that we do throughout the season is for the team. So if something has to get moved to change or your minutes go down and this that you don't get to. You agree to understanding that this is for the better of our team. Like or 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 you or your contract or your assignment that you've been your role on this team that you've accepted as this is your role and your guy you if you're not doing this and we take you out the game you don't get to complain you signed the deal saying that you agreed to what we saw this as so he he was doing that back then hmm. he wrote car he wrote on car everybody had a car and it had things that he thought that you provided for the team that you did well. And this is after assessments. He didn't just walk in doing this, but like, so you could yeah. see how how the team played out. It's like, all right, you you know, you defend well, you do three point shoot. I need you to run the floor. I need you to do this, 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 these things that you see that you've been doing well, and this is what helps our team. And he gave that so you could put it on your mind, so you could wrap it around your head, so you could wrap it around in your head and be like, all right, when I'm doing this, we go. This is my mm. thing. Like this is my part of the of the of the car. That keeps sure. it together. And I think that's a I always thought that was great because it allowed guys to see it. If they had a problem with it, didn't want to buy in, we can have a conversation about it. It's right there in the open. Everybody got a card. Some of them he had like like I, I even believe there was a time it was like, well, what does your say? <laughs> and everybody and everybody had time to agree with it if they did, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we know too. As a player, I know what this guy I should know what my teammates do well and don't do well. And how to help them and how they can help me. I should know that. Mm. So it's not a secret. Let's be honest about this thing so we can win some games. Are there cases in your career where you, where you had more interactions with your assistants versus the head coach, like one-on-one basis? Did you have more conversations with an assistant or was it like the head coach would tell the assistant and then the assistant is the person who conveys it to you? Um. So this is not a, I think that happens a lot during the season just because like we talked about, before guys have relationships with different coaches are different. And that doesn't okay. change with the head coach. Like, sure. like I spoke to, I spoke more to the assistants than I did to Nick. Not to say that me and Nick had a terrible relationship. We spoke, but I just spoke more because I was in the gym all the time. So I was always right. with the assistants. Hmm. So it's not like they don't tell Nick, they go, oh, yeah, CJ was here. We did this. And he might say, what did y'all do this? That? And it might come back that way. Fair enough. Yeah. Same thing coming up in Utah. I was with Ty Corbin every day. All the time. And that's why it was hard when he moved to be the head coach because now there's no time for that. That was my guy. And I was a kid at that time. Yeah. So, like, this is my guy. I'm 18. This is the guy that I make that relationship with. 
that's kind of helping me get through all these things. And then he gets moved to the head coaching job. And now that guy's gone. Hmm. And he, and it's, and he can't be, it can't look, you can't, it just, it just says it can't go that way. And that's hard too, when it happens like that. Um, same. And then like, I think a lot of times it happens like that, honestly, <laughs> that you end up talking to the, um, just because of the gym time. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It does make yeah. sense. Is there a new playbook you get? Like you get some sort of uh, something to hold in your hand where you got to learn this by a certain day. Um, I don't know if they do that as much anymore. They used yeah. to. We used to get like iPads and and playbooks, and we used to like I don't remember. We got an iPad in Toronto. So what happens is they get the iPad and they upload clips and film on it, so that way you just no excuse. You always have something with you, and or they just email it, whatever which way you want to do it. It got easier because now everybody has iPads and carries them, and does it's sure, sure. like a waste of time to give everybody one and have to return it and have to whatever. <laughs> but um, and then the plays as far as that goes, they get introduced through through the first through practice and through drill work and through things like that and then they start to give you certain ways you can see it or a copy or whatever so you can kind of yeah fresh when you leave do pre-game halftime post-game do any of those change with the new coach um not really yeah, okay. not really. That formula is pretty much like we meet before, go over whatever, watch a few clips, talk about where we're going, mm. have time. Some coaches talk a little more than others. Some just throw up a couple clips and be like, look, this is what we got going. You know what I mean? Like, but that one's pretty much kind of, um, it kind of, it, it fluctuates a little bit, but it's not that much different. What At least in my, in my experience, it wasn't. What about film sessions? Does the content of film sessions, are they different versus like how many good things are being shown? How many bad things are players being called out? Is it subtle sometimes? Is it a coach talking to you offline about something that was just seen in a film session? I think the big group film sessions change with certain coaches. Cause like, like the, so like coach Sloan hated watching film in the film. He hated it. He hated watching it as a group, the whole thing, because Especially if it was a bad night, like, he would get mad again watching the film. He like, <laughs> he would just stop it. Like, I'm sick of this. Then he just go out to practice, and we just like, he's like, we could just be working on it instead of me. But I need you to yeah, see it, yeah. obviously. And then right. I get to Indiana, and Coach Vogel, who grows through the system as a film guy, we we would spend an hour in the film room sometimes. You know what I mean? So hmm. it's just different because some people, the way they see it, they they it, it's like we talked about the value of certain things. Right. Like he valued it much more because that was the way he really learned a lot of it to become a head coach. So it's like, if I can learn this way, we definitely can learn as a unit this way, which makes total sense. And in some days, players, they just don't want to sit in there for an hour. Like, it's just hard, especially if you do it before practice. Like, it's hard. Um, and I think some people are just more into individually. It's like, hey, sit with him and show him these five clips. Yeah. Because he keeps not doing this or he's not grasping this. And I think that happens more and more now. You see it on the benches, guys watching clips on the bench and or before games, yeah. you always see the coach sitting with the player, especially in Toronto. They'll sit down. We did that. They'll sit down with you, show you your clips before you do your pregame shooting. It might be defensive clips and offensive clips, things that you're gonna get, looks you're gonna get in the game, things you haven't right. done in the last couple of games, just to keep it this ongoing refresher. Final question about this. Um favoritism. Can a coach 
sometimes have their favorites and it could be a rejuvenating feeling for a player to have a new coach where it's a bit of a fresh start, even though maybe your skill set hasn't changed too much. Mm -hmm. I guess your role can change based off what we Mm -hmm. just talked about, but is it a rejuvenating feeling knowing that there is a new coach if you are not necessarily happy with how things were going with the previous one, even though the role could be kind of similar in terms of just like a minutes thing? Yeah, I think so. And it could just be um, the approach of the coach too. Yeah. They could want you to do the same thing. It's just the way they approach you and show you the value of it. Like we keep saying, I keep using that word, but the value of mm-hmm. what you do could be placed on a higher level for that the next coach, even if it doesn't change minutes, change whatever. But he's just like, he just puts a highlight on it. He's like, look, you making this shot or you doing this is the yeah. reason why all this goes. And it makes you see the importance of it. And it changes the way you are. I think sometimes, like, there's a lot of times where there's no communication, even if you are doing things well, wrong, whatever, and guys just kind of in this la-la land, and you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if they really want me here or not, or if they really mm-hmm. want – or if I'm just – they just playing me because there's nobody else to play or things like that. And right. don't get me wrong, playing well should be enough for you, but everybody wants to know, like, what's – you know, they want some type of transparency with the coach and why they're doing this and what's going on just to feel like they're they doing the right thing or get some reinforcement for it, you know? Um, but I definitely mm-hmm. think that guys get rejuvenated and it could just be as simple as, um, like I said, the coach just making a small tweak that allows everybody to see how important you are. You could have been doing the same things. It's just yeah. like, look at what that did for us. You see that too, with the Raptors, you know, some subtle changes here and there for precious Achua, for instance, mm-hmm. right now he's able to get downhill more. Maybe he's coming off pin downs as crazy as it may seem. And he's able to just like get some force going to the rim. I always saw him working on that during practice, you know, being a better cutter, being a better driver, um, keeping your handle tight, things like that. Um, I can see it helping someone like him because he, he was time, pretty up and down with the yeah. McNurses here. And a lot of times we notice just by changing sceneries with guys, it's not always lack of skill set. It's sometimes just space and opportunity, right? Like, yeah. See guys leave a place where they average nine points and average 18 the next year. It's not that they couldn't average 18 last year, it's just the way they, they're playing and the players they're playing with. Like mm-hmm. it is what it, that and that's that's a lot of the league, though. And I think we take that we kind of overlook that sometimes. There's a lot of guys that can average 15, 16, 17 points in this game sure. that are on the end of a bench just because of opportunity and the way the game is played, that coach values this guy's style of play more than his because of the way he coaches. Mm. Mm, this is what it is. Cause think about some of the guys that play right now, that average 18, 19 points, 20 points a game. They wouldn't have played for some of these older coaches eight years ago. Yeah. That's wild, man. You're like, you know what I'm saying? Wild. You're not going to shoot threes in transition. You're not going <laughs> to play. You know what I'm saying? So think about it. Like they would have yeah, not yeah. played. They, the coaches didn't like, like think about, Everybody loved Jamal Crawford at one point, but there were coaches around the league that was like, he couldn't play for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Just because of the style of play. Now, think if Jamal Crawford was in his prime three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, They would love to have a guy like that, that that creates the way he creates. At that height. At that height, at that, but that skill level can shoot it, can do. I mean, we saw it. He had the big role for the Clippers at the end of his career. He was wild. He was wild. This was fun, man. Rate, review, and subscribe. Closing thoughts? Anything? Share it. Enjoy it. Listen. Questions. Tweet it. 
DM it, whatever you got. Like DM it. Beautiful. Yeah, be careful with that. Be careful. <laughs> True. Especially be in this day and age. Okay. Man, very careful. Actually, <laughs> actually do not DM me. <laughs> just don't. Yeah, just don't do it.